This is episode number 163 with digital entrepreneur Aaron Bear. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. My name is Kirill Eremenko, data science coach and lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you inspiring people and ideas to help you build your successful career in data science. Thanks for being here today. And now let's make the complex simple. Welcome back to the Super Data Science Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. A couple of weeks ago, a very interesting story happened to me and I'd like to share it with you today. I was at a health retreat in Ubud, Bali. And it's a retreat where we fast for 10 days. Very interesting retreat, it's called Natural Instinct Healing, if you're ever interested. Um, and I've felt very great since then. I felt very powerful and light and refreshed. But the story is not about the health part, the story is about who I met there. And there were 12 people doing this retreat at the same time. We all bonded over the 10 days and everybody had a fantastic story, very um, interesting backgrounds. It was great chatting to everybody. And one of those people happened to be Aaron Bear. And now Aaron, what you need to know about Aaron is that he's a digital entrepreneur and an innovation facilitator. Moreover, he's started several of his own businesses. He's an angel investor. He was on the Google Board of Ideas. He's helped multiple companies embrace disruption and exponential technologies. And dozens, if not hundreds of executives understand things like AI, blockchain, data science, and how those things are shaping the world of business today and in the future. And so for me, it was a random coincidence to actually meet Aaron uh, at a health retreat. We had some very interesting chats and I couldn't resist but to invite him on the podcast. And we actually recorded this podcast then and there. So you'll hear us talking when we are on our 10th day of the fast. So that was quite an experience. And what is this podcast all about? Well, it's all about disruption. It's all about exponential technology. It's all about how to think uh, about business in a different way, where the world's going. So this podcast is definitely going to be useful for anybody getting into this field of data and uh, data science, analytics, and so on. Um, but especially this podcast will be useful for executives, for directors, for entrepreneurs, uh, for CEOs, for business owners, for founders. If you're one of those people, if you're one of those who's in charge of a company who's leading a business, who's uh, driving change, this is the podcast for you. Uh, we dug into all of the experience that Aaron has accumulated over the years. Moreover, he's actually writing a book right now. It's not out yet, but he already gave us the most juicy insights from the book. So you get a quick sneak peek into all the knowledge that he's accumulated over the years. And so I really can't wait to get started on this podcast to share all this knowledge with you for Aaron to give you his insights. So let's dive straight into it. And without further ado, I bring to you Aaron Bear. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. Today I've got Aaron Bear. Aaron, welcome to the show. How are you going? Thank you. Very good. Yeah. So, first question: Where are we? Where in the world are we? Uh, we're in uh, Ubud, yes, uh, Bali, Indonesia, and uh, we're at a 
uh, wellness retreat together. Yeah, it's crazy. And like random coincidence, we met here and this has been day 10. We like this is day 10, right? Yeah. That we haven't haven't eaten anything yeah. in 10 days. <laughs> Zero food. In the last That's 10 crazy. Days. Just juices, water and broth. How's the broth? Uh, yeah, broth's okay. <laughs> Vegetable. Water's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Uh, if we're a bit like tired, if we're a bit tired, or you hear roosters in the background, that's why, right? <laughs> so, Aaron, super excited to have you here. Um, tell us a bit about you. So, like, or tell me, like, what's um, what's your background, so that so we can get to know you a bit better. Like, I've heard you've told me a bit a few things, and you know, Google board for ideas and your own business and innovation and disruption. There's lots of things. So, just like in a in a nutshell, how would you describe yourself? Um. I'm an entrepreneur. I, I think, um, you know, I look at myself as a, a global citizen. You know, I've, I've traveled a, a good deal. And uh, I, w- I would say uh, becoming a spiritually awakened uh, leader mm. um, from from the journeys I've had. And, uh, you know, uh, but but at, at the core of it, an entrepreneur. You know, I, I definitely uh, understand the entrepreneurial process. I've helped... Uh, Hundreds, if not thousands, of companies start over my my, my life as entrepreneur residents and uh, working in uh, several different uh, university systems. So, mm-hmm. um, very, very very excited about the future. Um, I'd even say maybe a futurist. Mm-hmm. Um, very much interested in exponential technologies and where they take us and, and how fast they're going to take us there. Yeah, that's that's really really interesting. And you were on the. Um, Arizona State University as their res- resident entre- entrepreneur. Yeah, I was the entrepreneur residence at Arizona State University and uh, Thunderbird Global School of Management mm-hmm. and Arizona Commerce Authority, which is our uh, state entity. But uh, in, in particular, uh, that role allowed me to go in and out and educate at entrepreneurship classes, innovation classes, um, but I was able to create a program called Startup School for Arizona State University that their goal is to reach a million students mm-hmm. and basically built the framework for starting a business, which is the foundation for a new book that I'm writing. Okay, cool. How's the book going? The book's great. Yeah? You- great. For the first time in my life, I've resisted it for many, many years and uh, now it just is uh, flowing. Nice, nice. And uh, you mentioned that you're almost done, you just need that one chapter that's left. Yeah, I think uh, connecting it, uh, this is part of the journey uh, coming here, but uh, connecting it to the, a higher purpose, but like connecting it to, to everyone in the world and that, that energy. Um, I think uh, looking at purpose-based companies, they've been on the rise, conscious capitalism, uh, B corporations. Mm. I've been involved with a lot of those as of the last few years. Uh, and, and from that, um, some of them are very connected to something that's bigger than themselves and some of them are. Yeah. And uh, the book itself is about creating a self-fulfilling prophecy in a business uh, where a lot of people uh, set up companies, but they don't set them up to grow, you know, because of the purpose themselves yeah. or because, you know, uh, hiring people and, um, you know, gaining more sales and these different aspects of things all help a company grow. But how does it grow how do you create a structure so it grows on its by itself? Oh, okay, that's that's very cool, and I like your idea of purpose and so building businesses that actually bring meaning to the world, right? That 
do something for others. Yeah. So um, to break down kind of the you know an outline of, of the book, it, you know, we talk a lot about change and the disruption and, and really the exponential technologies that are disrupting every industry. Yeah. Um, AI, data science, uh, blockchain, Internet of Things, all these things. You start putting them together. Now you got the building blocks for phenomenal new business models in the in the world, and uh, you know it, it goes from from really just discussing really and understanding the disruption in the world to actually how do you innovate on that disruption? Because once you have knowledge of what's going on, you very much can see the next two, three, five, ten years mm-hmm. of the things that are starting to stack up mm-hmm. that are going to dramatically change the world and disrupt. You know, some of the archaic business models that have been out there for, you know, 10, 20, 50, 100 years, they're not going to make it through this next gap. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that, after you innovate, it's obviously then define a company on purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what do you really want to change in the world? What do you really want to create in the world? And I think companies that take the time to really step back and say, you know, who, who are the people they want to impact? And that's where we start to see these B corporations and conscious capitalism say, you know, hey, we, we want to impact our employees. We want to impact our stakeholders. All these companies are now proving out through impact investing that they're being more successful mm-hmm. than companies of past. Mm-hmm. Meaning, companies that actually consider all the stakeholders are actually driving more revenue, driving more profit because they start to become self-fulfilling. Yeah. Because any aspect of how you touch that company, it starts to grow. Mm-hmm. And that's what really got me interested in that. And then from purpose, as you define that, it's really about leadership and creating a shared vision, uh, obviously developing the strategy and communicating that effectively. Mm-hmm. So often leaders, you know, I, I feel like these are kind of the cornerstones of leaders. And often you don't see that much from very many leaders yeah. out there in the world. Uh, and then I think it's, it's, it's really going on to understand as, as leaders is to build it on a business model that works. Mm-hmm. So many startups, um, and I can say from students and, and other, you know, companies that have come to me, including major global 100 companies now, their business models just don't work. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working with a global car manufacturer that they at least have now acknowledged that they're going off a cliff in 10 years. Mm-hmm. They're literally heading towards a place where these exponential technologies will disrupt what they do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to a small company that builds a business model not on revenue, but on users, but never has really a strategy to get there. Mm -hmm. So business models are very, very important. And there's not really actually that many different kinds of business models to explore. But I love taking companies uh, through the business model because they often don't define their business model, which then they cannot communicate clearly the shared vision or the purpose of the company. Mm -hmm. And and finally, it's about execution, which um, that goes from the development of the product to marketing, to sales, to service, to, you know, full cycle and iterating on that. Mm -hmm. And execution is uh, an important part of that growth strategy of the self-fulfilling prophecy because when things work, they just grow. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the missing step in all these books um, about scaling up and starting up and, and growth and all these things is you have to understand how all those building blocks fit together. It's not something that if you have one missing piece, you literally could have a cog in the wheel that doesn't, your company just does not grow. And a lot of entrepreneurs are in that boat where they can grow it to themselves, you know, to a certain degree. But as they build a team and as they start actually thinking of how do they scale up their business, they don't have the pieces necessary to actually do that because they don't understand 
the holistic aspect of a company and how it serves all individuals that touch it. Okay, wow, thanks. That's a great rundown. That's <laughs> <laughs> very, very detailed. Uh, tell us a bit more. How do exponential technologies fit into all of that, right? Like, so what's the difference between a company that is growing, that has a self fulfilling prophecy, that um, like has a mission that changes the world, but neglects exponential technologies, AI, blockchain, data science, all the ones that you listed? versus a company that incorporates those into their model and you know how, how do we do that well uh, you know part of that is is customer feedback and understanding where the world's going and what you need to do to serve them so you know you take uh, artificial intelligence uh, by itself um, obviously is, is kind of mind-blowing of what it, what technologies can be created but when you start combining it you know, with things that creates that self-fulfilling prophecy. This, yeah. this is where exponential technologies, you know, and, and the idea of self-fulfilling is that you get on this curve. There's so many companies on a linear business model, mm. meaning that they're plugging away. Maybe they're doing eight, 10, maybe they're in 20% a year. They're, they're literally, you know, they're happy in a heyday saying, Hey, we're growing, we're doing what we got to do. If they don't understand when they're going to hit an exponential curve, when they're actually going to be able to disrupt their industry or whatever, they're likely not to exist in 20 years, 10 mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. And so it's understanding these technologies that have the exponential growth. Because as you add, say, a, a marketing automation tool, and there's a lot of marketing automation tools that are doing phenomenally well out there. Yeah. As you add artificial intelligence to them, now they start working you know, without the human capacity. Yeah. And now they start working into an exponential curve. So mm -hmm. the reason these things are exponential technologies is because as you add them to traditional models and as you play with them, you know, blockchain, for an example. Well, how can we expand without human interference and how can we serve our customers better? Well, how can we have trusted transactions? How can we have, you know, basically trust on the Internet? How does the Internet reinvent itself with blockchain and some of these other t artificial intelligence and other technologies? That's all happening. We need a new Internet. Our Internet was built off of, you know, 40, 50-year-old kind of protocols yeah. that hasn't kept up with the technology itself. So all these things and companies that are thinking about the future i think and adding these sprinkling in these technologies and playing with them because i think first and foremost is just to understand like the exponential technologies that are available mm -hmm. then actually going out and playing with them with your business model and that's why uh the model i just described in detail is all about being iterated at the end i say okay great you've got to the end of the book now start over mm -hmm. you know literally is a constant process of regrowth and that's the self-fulfilling of it is, you know, hey, let's reestablish our purpose. Let's reestablish what we're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, a, a good example of that is Google. Yeah. Um, I was just about to ask for an example. That's, yeah. That's so, great. so so Google, you know, was a company to organize uh, all the information in the world. It's yeah. kind of their, their, their mission for a long time. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they, they created Alphabet. Yeah. And what they realized is it wasn't a self-fulfilling prophecy that hey, we are doing this with Google, yep. but we're interested in more than just organizing information now. And we've become, we have the resources and the, you know, hey, what about robotics? Mm -hmm. What about autonomous cars? What about, you know, so Google has now like basically expanded mm -hmm. themselves beyond, you know, Google itself, the mission. So they had to create Alphabet. Yep. And that's the reason they created Alphabet because now it gave them literally the ability as a conglomerate now, you could say, a, teenage conglomerate because it's yeah. not that old yeah. um, that they can go into so many different areas and basically uh, play with these exponential technologies and actually 
be the winner or the forewinner because they understand the mixture of these technologies yeah. and what it's going to create. Yeah, interesting. And on that, I uh, wanted to ask you your view because you're also an angel investor. Is that correct? Yeah. I've, um, yeah. yeah, and uh, you mentioned your success rate is like just a bit higher than the standard industry standard of ten percent. Yeah, it, well, five percent. I mean, I mean, you know, I, I don't know if there's an industry standard, but uh, if you if you look at five hundred startups, their goal as a um, angel, you could call it a uh, angel incubator accelerator, is uh, that they win on eighty percent and they lose on twenty percent. Yeah. So, or they win on twenty percent and lose on eighty yeah. percent. So. Um, that that angel investors don't do that well. Yeah, yeah. Um, in general, so it's it's understanding uh, how to you know with the model that I'm creating. I, I believe you know it's understanding and coaching the leadership to basically think about these principles. That's given given me a little edge. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and so the question that I'd have uh, about Google, whether it's angel investors and um, uh, head. Uh, funds that invest into companies um, what is your like view on these technologies right so Google has the opportunity to go into very lots of different technologies but they need to expect that some of their efforts will fail right that's whether they go into robotics or they go into AI or they go into somewhere else some, some of these uh, might might not come to fruition at all and in fact like I, I've heard somewhere that most of the projects that Google starts they never see the light of day because they don't go past the testing or uh, the, the code just stays lying there. So, how would you advise leaders to think in that direction? Because it's scary. Like, if you're not Google and you don't have the opportunity to invest into 10, 20, 100 different technologies, you might be putting all your bets on one or two or three. What if that fails? How, how do you get used to that mentality and, and what is the right mentality? So, so first of all, you're, you're exactly right on Google. Google's pulled the plug on hundreds of, of businesses, some even earning revenue, some but just not going in the direction they wanted to. Um, Google Health is an example uh, that they kind of pulled the plug on fairly early, uh, even though it was generating some some, some movement. But for, for companies out there that are, are looking at exponential technologies to, to kind of plug into their business, I think it's important for them to, to, to really look at all the, you know, there, there's a lot of them, and, and actually, you know, plug into people like yourself, myself, you know, get get into a world of people that are surrounded by these exponential technologies that can say, give them a little bit of direction and education around what what are these potentially going to do in the near future, and what are they going to do in their industry. Yep. And you know, it's always good to play inside your industry, but look at other industries. Um, but 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 in general, you can plug something into your business model, you know, and, and start to create revenue. That's going to be the path to go. Mm -hmm. So there. You know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, the future is not so uncertain now because there's so many technologies. We don't know what the next big thing is. Mm -hmm. We don't know what's going to be a fad and what's going to really work out in those things. And, you know, there's always uh, a lot of uh, bingo buzzwords out there. But in reality, if you look at your core business model and what you do and how you can serve your customer better than your competition within your industry, you will start winning. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the key is to get closer to your customer, yeah. be customer facing, listen to them, understand what things that they would use, sometimes present them things with what they wouldn't think because your customers don't always know best. Yeah. Yet, you know, bringing these new technologies to them to play with them uh, is also a, a great way to do it. And a lot of these things don't cost a lot. That's the difference yeah. in the world as well is, um, 
you know, your average um, accelerator. Um, I'm a graduate of the Global Accelerator Network, and your average accelerator in the world, you know, gives about fifty thousand dollars to kind of prove your thesis or not. Yeah. And that's the global standard of you know, hey, can we actually prove out a business model? Well. I think companies need to think like that too. And they also need to connect to the startup ecosystems, which they're starting to, because as you look at the amount of innovation in the startup world, companies can really, you know, acquire that. And that's, that's always something you can look at Google. Google is, if they're not great at something, they're acquiring that, that, yeah, yeah. that greatness. True. Like with DeepMind, right? The whole, they wanted to get into AI, they just bought DeepMind. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, and they, same with robotics, they, you know, they acquired, a dozen plus, I think, in the last year or whatever. Mm-hmm. So companies in robotics. So, I mean, those kind of things, um, you know, your big companies aren't going to go away. Your platforms that yeah. are kind of running the world are, are not going away whatsoever. And never think of them as your competition. Yeah. Um, uh, you have to live within their ecosystem at this point. Yeah. But how do you create your own ecosystem? Mm-hmm. You know, how do you get your own slice of the world? Because it's an abundant world. We yeah. don't, you know, there's no... There's a need for a lot more new technologies to come out to solve infinite amount of problems. I mean, we're not at the end of the problem problem yeah. funnel, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, we're not living in utopia. Yeah, true. Um, <laughs> by the way, did you hear? Uh, I think it was last year that Google had to sell off Boston Dynamics. I didn't hear that. Yeah, so they bought them, and then, uh, as far as I know, they had to sell off because of one of the videos. Like you know how they post occasionally one of these videos on YouTube, and then this video was. Um, of this robot doing something crazy again, like running and jumping, yeah. and people were like, "Google is about to take over the world," and you know that's that's their big plan, and and so they're like, oh, "This is too too risky, like, <laughs> like it's for reputation purposes." Well, I mean, you, yeah, you got to think about how one endeavor may impact all your other ventures. Yeah. So, right, it's uh, I did not know that. But that's that's very interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, so. Um, that's that's a great mindset, and you're right. They're not expensive, right? Like uh, with artificial intelligence, for instance, ten years ago you would have to buy lots and lots of servers. Right now you just go in the cloud, get some EC2 instances from Amazon, and uh, plug in your AI efforts and see see what happens. Right? Like fifty thousand is probably plenty to get the to, to test a something, you know. Yeah. And, and that's that's important is just understanding technologies. Then you can start applying it to your business model. But I think it. It all comes back to your business model. It has to be reinvented. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, the likelihood of you reinvented with an exponential technology survive. Yeah. And I, and I mean really survival. And this is, you know, the average age of the company on the S&P 500 has, you know, gone down um, tremendously. I think it's, it's, it's down to 15 years now. It used mm-hmm. to be, you know, at the, in the 1950s, you know, 67 years or something yeah. like that. So you see this plummeting of the average age of the company. So technology's life cycle has yeah. just increased the speed of things. Well, what that means is that you need to reinvent your business model, which is, you know, one of the biggest challenges facing corporate America and Fortune 500s. And that's where I've really taken the entrepreneurial mindset and exponential technologies, design thinking, and really brought it into, you know, some of these major global companies to help them obviously find a new way because mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, with their bulkiness of you know tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of employees yep. doing something in the traditional model that works today, yep. it's not going to work tomorrow. Mm. And they're they're at least now starting to recognize that as different industries have gone you know off the cliff already. Yeah, and so like if you're not in an industry that's gone off the cliff, was going off the cliff. I don't know, like uh, taxi industry, right? Like ride sharing came along, bam. Hotel industry, Airbnb came along. 
if you're not in one of those and you don't see the you see the warning signs you see that ai blockchain and all these things are coming about but you you don't actually see a player that's disrupting you yet you know that's probably going to come how would you trigger yourself to think in a way to be that disruptor for yourself how would you actually go about like where do i start what what do i like um what do i change you see you're saying change the business model but like where does the thinking about that start so Peter Diamentes, who is um, one of the founders of Singularity and XPRIZE mm-hmm. and... Um, Bold, author of Bold Abundance. Bun, yeah, Bold Abundance, um, several different books. He has created something called the six Ds, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, first you go digital. Mm-hmm. And once something becomes digital, it can become exponential. Yep. So, you know, people in an analog business model, um, you know, at best you can get linear, you know, in a, in a, in a very... And in a way, you're growing at a high rate of 30, 40, 50%, maybe 100%, but you're not going to get exponential. And um, once something comes digital, there's this period of deception, mm-hmm. which uh, I would even say the taxi industry and even the hotel industry has not fully been disrupted. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this period where, you know, it gets disrupted, where uh, markets get led by you know, the disruptive technology instead yeah. of the main companies. Yeah, and, and exponential looks like linear at the very start. Yeah, like two, yeah, yeah, yeah. four, eight, feels It looks like, failing. Actually, yeah. it's, it's it, you know, if you look at any exponential curve out there, any academic, it, you know, it's, it's underneath. And yeah. you can say that Uber and Airbnb and some of these companies are now maybe had a period of disruption, yeah. um, past deception. There was a period where people denied it. Yeah. I think in, in certain parts of the world, there's still denial and there's still a reason because you know taxi lobbies and all these different infrastructure restraints mm-hmm. are keeping uh, Uber back or Airbnb. Um, yet over time, the customers get to demand and get what they want. Yeah, and I think that that's what we're seeing with with the Uber as it continues to kind of slowly create its dominance mm-hmm. um, everywhere except for in Asia. But n- nonetheless. Um, as it gets past disruption, you know, you get to a period where um, you, you know, you're, you're basically going to eventually uh, demonetize it, democratize it. You know, it's, it's basically going to change the market where we look at exponential business models. The unfortunate part of technology is it destroys the monetization of a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. If you look at Uber, a taxi ride is much cheaper. Yeah. Um, is well, Uber it, is much cheaper. Than uh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, Ten days without, uh, <laughs> without food. Yeah. Ten days without food will uh, get to the brain. But um, this deception curve, Peter Peter did is, is, is a good thing to start with to think of. Where are you at? Where is your industry yeah. at? Where are your competitors at? Because yeah. um, often I, I've gone into a, a global top ten automobile manufacturer, and their biggest concern is their competitor. Yeah. And they've identified, and I'm like. Don't worry about your competitor. They're going off the same cliff as you. Yeah. <laughs> it's these other technology companies that yeah, are now yeah. have figured out technologies to disrupt you, to yeah. actually create a replacement of services of what you're yeah. doing. And I think that's a, an important thing to look at when, gotcha. when looking at exponential technologies and global companies and the changes that they need to make. Gotcha. And uh, let me like pitch you a couple of my ideas because like I've got a business and I think about these things sometimes and, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. Sounds good? Yeah. All right. So... Um, we're in the business of education, teaching, right? And so when I look at it um, from this 6Ds curve, I actually had this exercise. I was like, all right, six D, Peter Amandis is 6Ds. 
what applies to my business, where can I change things, how does it, how does it all work out. And so the first thing is that education. It's really transitioning from in uh, university education on-premise to online. And I see that as an exponential technology. It's, it's growing because internet is growing because people demand skills. The, the access of people to internet is growing. So in essence, online education is an exponential technology disrupting normal education. Another thing is that we're in the space of data science education. And data science in itself is an exponential technology because that's what uh, we have a lot more data right now, a lot more ways to capture it, a lot more ways to store it. So therefore, in essence, that's just going to keep growing. The demand for data science skills and knowledge is going to keep growing. So basically, I've come to conclude that uh, building this business around data science education is a good idea because it's on the um, intersection of two exponential technology, online education and data science. Uh, do, you, do you think that's about right? No, I couldn't agree more. If you look at what you've done on Udemy, um, having over a half, mm. you know, think about it this way, a, tr a traditional professor, you know, sees maybe, I don't know, 200 to 300 students a semester. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you Udemy now in the last five years, I think since you launched, three, three years, three years yeah. I've seen over a half a million, 500,000. Yeah. So that exponential curve, you guessed right. And on Peter D's, you know, it's it has been demonetized and democratized. Yeah. I mean, they can have access to your great education at much less than they ever would of going yeah. to a university. And it begs the question of what is the value of university? It's, it is completely changing. Yeah. Um, as you see people go through programs like yours and get incredible jobs without degrees, yep. you know, because they understand data science. And data science, you know, is one of the hottest fields in the world. So the pairing of those two things um, creates an exponential model that I think you have a bright, bright future. And uh, I'm excited to, to obviously cross paths and obviously look forward to, to seeing your growth. But uh, you have chosen right, and I think you've already democratized yeah. and demonetized, which is kind of the end goal. Mm. Or not the end goal, but the end of the curve. Yeah. And that's why your growth has just been so phenomenal. Mm. And uh, congratulations thank on you, that. Thank you, thank you. And you actually feel it. That's that's my other tip probably for those who are of thinking of uh, how, what, is this the right technology or not? You actually feel it. Like, for instance, we were literally a year ago, it was, I think it was like 130,000 students. And a year before that, it was like 30,000. So it's more than doubling every single year. And if you will notice it very quickly that even if it's like small doubling, like a month, two months, three, four, and so on, it'll, it'll happen uh, pretty fast. And my favorite way of checking these things, like is technology, is an idea exponential, right? That you can put a, a technology behind or that you can incorporate in your business. You just go on Google Trends. If you go on Google Trends and you type in data science, bam, the searches go up. You go on Google Trends and you try to type in like course education, bam. Uh, another one that I've noticed recently, vegan, right? Vegetarian is kind of like linear. Vegan, bam, like it's, it's growing exponentially. So like opening a restaurant, you'd open a vegan restaurant because especially like in the US and in certain places because that's that's what is exponential right like you get on that curve and basically any effort you put in you put in like one hour work it turns into an exponential number of hours of output that you get out of it so it's just more time efficient to put your time into or effort into these technologies and ideas no, I couldn't agree more I wouldn't a vegan restaurant wouldn't be on my things to, to create but you're, you're exactly right as far as customer demand and need so the customers will come um, identifying that early customer there's with data science you yeah. can obviously identify and take a lot of the risk mm. out of basically approaching a marketplace 
um, before you even start to understand the numbers of potential customers, the people that have the need, the psychographic, mm -hmm. demographic um, information, I think is all really important to a company starting up. And that's where uh, there, there comes a point where uh, data, you know, in the career field that you are tapped into um, becomes part of the C-suite. So mm -hmm. the chief data officer or the chief data scientist, whatever that role would be within a company. I think you're going to start seeing them more early and earlier within startups. Yeah. And you're going to see every major corporation have already kind of taken to that. Um, but I, I think, you know, 99% of our data sits in databases of doing nothing. Yeah. And um, now we're starting to figure out, wow, if we knew this answer to this question, and now we can look through and find that data mm. and actually create a, a visualization so the non-data seekers can actually understand it and mm -hmm. consume it. Uh, you help people get on, and data data itself is an exponential curve. So, mm -hmm. you know, companies part of your business model is just like looking at your data and saying yeah. what's there, because beyond Google Trends and beyond your website traffic or certain pages that are doing well, I mean, you can kind of know where your demand comes from in the future, and it's, yeah. that is you know the power of data. But I I predict um, you know the Suisse, the chief data scientist will will be full present in the next 10 years, mm. um, you know, basically being part of the decisions made because we can only make so many decisions from gut, but if we have gut and data, you know, yeah. then we basically could have leadership that's making decisions on unformed. And I think uh, the beauty is data has become more and more available because tools to consume it, artificial intelligence, natural language processing, machine learning, all these things, again, all different exponential technologies, throw them all together, and now you can start actually to make sense and synthesize data that was unsynthesizable. Mm. I don't know if that's a word, but <laughs> um, something that previously you just couldn't consume and understand, we're now starting to get our hands around. Gotcha. Stuff that maybe Einstein understood, yeah, yeah. but now the common person can. That's, that's right. And uh, I like this, that we got to the executives. I was like, another thing I want to talk about. Um, let's talk a bit about the chief data officer, right? Or chief uh, data scientist in an organization. What do you, how do you describe that role? What do you envisage as the purpose of that role? Specifically, not, not like the daily task, like set up a server, buy this and that, but on the executive board, on the executive team or on the board to how, how can they affect the strategy of a company? Yeah, I mean, I, I think in a way they replaced the chief information officer that was providing information because data gets deeper. And I think they work across all the different entities within a company. If you think about uh, the fads of uh, corporate improvement from total quality management, ISO 9000, um, you know, lean manufacturing, uh, Six Sigma, all these were really data-driven kind of things and how do we actually, or information-driven, we didn't really have a way to kind of, now we're getting into this, say, say these are 2D models, now we're getting into 3D models where we can pair these things together, kind of figure these out, and that gets into figuring out data and, and where it does go. And I think as you look into the future, that the data is going to give us insights in where the company needs to evolve. And that self-fulfilling prophecy that I'm talking about is um, you're going to have early indications. In fact, every business, I can tell you I was in the uh, job board industry in 2008 and um, in, we were growing, uh, starting to have you know, a nice linear curve of, of what we were doing. And we got to a point in March where our sales, you know, and I'm a very data-driven person, our sales people just kind of tapped out. They, they didn't, and we started to slow down. So 
six months before the economy collapsed, I had indicators with the data that it was not going in the right direction. Like our business stalled and actually started a downward slide all the way down literally to zero. I mean, it, it actually that company uh, was one that we sold off. It was one of the, the failures that I learned the most from. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, when, when you got to a point where we were actually looking at the data and understanding it, there was nothing I could do about it. You know, and it was nothing that the whole world, like I, I didn't know we were going to go off a, you know, global financial crisis as we did, as, yeah. as I, I don't think very many people did. Yeah. Um, you know, people in uh, Michael Lewis's movie uh, uh, definitely did. I'm trying to think what that. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know that one. Money, uh, li um, nah, nonetheless, we can, <laughs> we can cut that out. <laughs> but, um, I lost my train of thought. So you didn't know you were going off that. Yeah. Cliff. So you go off that cliff, you know, and, and the data, the data said so. I think executives in the the C suite are going to actually have a lot more trend analysis, sentiment analysis, all kinds of different analysis that didn't actually exist previously. That'll actually help a company uh, basically stay on that on that curve. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what's what, what's very very important is uncovering deep deep data to understand where things are going. Um, it's not that hard to do, and I think you know that best. It's mm. it's um, it's a matter of uh, getting some tools, take your course, yeah. and you know, learning these things, playing with these things, and just like any other exponential technology, it's mm. going to lead you to places that you did not ever dream of, yeah. um, because it's going to give the truth in the mm. data. Question, mm. question. I want to shift gears a little bit. Um, you are an innovation facilitator, so large companies invite you into their executive teams, board of directors, to train them on how to think like this, how to think disruptively, how to think about the business in terms of exponentials, um, and how to incorporate those ideas into the business to avoid running off a cliff. What would you say is your biggest challenge when you're dealing with executives? Well, I, I think you executives only talk to executives, unfortunately, and, and, and I'll say it's not in all companies. But the the walk around by management, you know, and, and kind of learn from, you know, and data does not get to those executives, mm. unfortunately. And, and so, you know, executives that I'm working with often have this very glossy, like I said, uh, currently working with an automobile manufacturer doing 8, 9, 10% in each of their divisions. Uh, things couldn't be better. You know, mm. the emerging markets, they're still growing mm -hmm. quite a bit. Um, yet... If in their own circle, they're like, we're number one, we're the best. Mm -hmm. um, you can start to probably kind of figure out what this company is. But in that conversation among those executives, they're basically uh, only talking to themselves. They've all been in their positions for 10, 15 years. So they, they don't have any disruptors from the outside. And I think first and foremost, what, what I do as an innovation facilitator yeah. is bring in disruption. Here are 10 different business models that are eating away and beating you at your business, your own business model in yeah. one way or another. Yeah. And they're on an exponential curve and you're on a linear. Mm -hmm. Then I really dive deep into exponential technologies and I share, you know, what will these things do and how fast will they grow? And how will this, is, how are you in the deceptive period where you don't understand that these things are exponentially starting to take over your business? Mm -hmm. Where the mindsets of millennials mm -hmm. and kind of the new consumer or the next consumer it's totally different. So mm -hmm. we introduce them to Gen Y. We yeah. introduce them to young people that they don't talk to. Yeah. So we literally get in their face and the person says, I never want to own a car. Yeah. And these people are like, well, you never want to own our car? You don't, you know. 
which have aspirations and it's they just can't get their head wrapped around <laughs> this fact that we live in a new world where uh, assets aren't necessarily the only thing that, that we're looking to see. We're looking to see experiences. Yeah. This, this, this younger generation. Um, and from there, you know, I give them some tools to design, think, and, you know, how do they actually apply these exponential technologies in new ways? How do they actually insert them in a new business model? So we use a business model canvas. We have, I have my own kind of simplified business model canvas. Believe it or not, I simplify it for the senior executives at major corporations so that they can actually play with it really easily and move, you know, what if we did this, what if we did that? And we get them to have a conversation about their overall business model. Mm-hmm. And then I think part of it is also just understanding, you know, how do they relate to the world in a better way? So a little bit about uh, connecting to their employees and connecting to the world. We take them through a customer journey exercise that brings them back, you know, hey, go back and ask 100 customers, 1,000 customers, go through the customer journey with them what are their decision making and let's look at different demographics and psychographics map it back to your own marketing plan and understand where does this go what are the difference what are the gaps because the data there becomes very clear you know where they're going off a cliff yeah and the next generation consumers don't even consider buying a car let alone buying a status car a luxury car yeah so that changes the whole ball game you Mm -hmm. know executives so so in a way to answer your question it's executives talking to each other building each yeah. other's confidence yeah. in their own company yeah. and not understanding the world around them it's completely the environment around them is completely changed yeah. and we see that every day politically economically socially i mean every single thing is on an exponential curve to change because of the technologies that are being applied to that gotcha gotcha so probably the tip would be for like an individual executive would be to uh, not only communicate within the company with their peers but to go outside and communicate Possibly with other executives in you know like uh, business groups that that are uh, quite common, but also communicate with the layman, the people that are not in business, that are the consumers, that are different generations, to understand their perception and how well, they think about. This. Part of the great thing of uh, what I do at WDHB, which is um, a company out of Switzerland called Warm Human, Warm Decent, Warm Decent Human Beings. Yeah. Um, you know, basically when we take executives, we take them to people that aren't going to tell them what they want to hear. Yeah. Unfortunately, people are surrounded by circles that tell you what you want to hear. Yeah. And our goal is to take them in that that's where um, WHB basically takes these organizations into cities like Tel Aviv yeah. or London or San Francisco, Boston, New York, uh, Shanghai, Shenzhen. And when we take these executives in these markets, we basically take them to a variety of different startups. We do some of these deep dives I talked about. But as we go into those startups, we basically get them in front of people that don't necessarily have a reason to tell them anything but the truth. Yeah. And we frame the conversation up in a way that creates honesty and creates a candid uh, conversation. And I think that's where the mindset can change. When you hear something... You know, as I say something and kind of bring an introduction to disruption, but when I say it, they're like, oh, okay, it's just another guy yeah, in yeah. a seminar or whatever. Well, then they go into three different companies and they say the exact same thing yeah. with the same language and everything. doesn't matter where they're at in Shanghai. It does, does not matter in the world. Tel Aviv, Shanghai, uh, London, does not matter. Copenhagen. That language of disruption and how they're changing and exponential technologies is impacting every single city in this world. Mm-hmm. So now you basically open the eyes of the executives to say, oh wow, and you mm-hmm. put them in front of millennials that 
basically say, you know, I, you know, I never aspire to have your car. Yeah. I never aspire to use your bank. Yeah. I never aspire, you know, you know, it's just not cool enough. It doesn't, you know, it's not mobile enough. Whatever, yeah. whatever it is, it's like a shock to the system that over a week period of time of being an innovation facilitator, we take them and basically build a strategic plan of what are they going to do to change when they go back? Because they have to start on a path to disrupt themselves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's very, very, very hard for executives. They need to create a support system. And that's why we bring groups of people. And then when they go back, they have the support system to go back. And uh, potentially over time, as you get more and more executives go through this program, you have more and more disruption in the company. Innovation is hard. has to be done from the edges. And that's where taking them out of their own environment we couldn't go in and do this yeah. and disrupt them. We yeah. couldn't go, hey, we'll do it in your conference room for five days. Yeah. It doesn't work. Yeah. You have to get in the real world with real people with real disruption. And you have mm -hmm. to see little companies doing things dramatically better than these big companies to understand, wow, they're, they are going to take that over from us. Interesting. Interesting. That whole boardroom thing reminded me of uh, Tony Robbins's three, uh, what are they called, um, levels of mastery. Like the first one is cognitive or intellectual, oh, cognitive mastery, and so the first one is intellectual, where you just talk to people, then emotional, where you get them feeling the, what you're trying to get across, and finally physical. When you actually take them to Shanghai or Tel Aviv, you get them to be somewhere else, and it's a completely different, that, that's, that's very cool. Taking them out of their element, the other two come along with that, and that's yeah. the beautiful thing about it. It happens faster. Yeah. Uh, there's a great uh, Chinese proverb, um, traveling is, is greater than a you know, a, a thousand words, I don't know what the exact thing is, but the, the idea is to get out and see the world. And, you know, I think that's been part of my mission is to get out and see the world because I think you can learn so much from people yeah. and you can also learn so much about yourself. And then once you understand yourself, then you can apply that as a leader, um, you know, to Tony Robbins principles yeah. there, as well as to, to help being a disruptor because, if you're not be if you're not becoming the disruptor, you will be disrupted. Mm -hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so um, my next question would be: If you have like a big business, like let's say somebody's watching this, that they're an executive at a large corporation, one of the scariest probably things is the momentum that the business already has, right? Like for it's it's great to talk about this, but for a startup that's just starting out, that are just building up. It's very easy to experiment, to try new technologies, to fail quickly, start again, and so on. Um, they're much more nimble. I guess I think the word there is nimble. Whereas for a big corporation, it's really hard to introduce change. You can even, like we said at the start, uh, experiment with AI for $50,000 or something, and you get good results. But the whole process of introducing, integrating it into your business from start to finish is just a mammoth effort. How do you help executives overcome that psychological barrier? Well, I, I think there's so many ways to get at this. You know, you can invest in, um, there's corporate partnerships at all accelerators and incubators um, today where you can partner and see these technologies and, you know, have a very small payment to kind of play and see and first rights to invest and different things like that. Uh, you can create your own kind of incubation, you mm -hmm. know, within there. Uh, you may create your own competitor. Mm -hmm. Uh, you're likely to do it from the edge or outside of your company. Your company will kill it because mm -hmm. bureaucracy or you know companies that have been around for 10, 15 years mm. plus um, basically know how to reject change. Yeah. I mean that's their goal. Uh, even though you know you look at organizations and a reorganization after reorganization after re to create change to yeah. create disruption. Uh, the reality of playing with these technologies is you have to see them working 
considerably before you're ever going to bring them into your major business model. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, and, and I guess that's, you know, in a way, if you look at the companies that are really growing, they're doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, they're actually they're out there investing on the fringes. They're, they're learning. They're actually getting their executives out there doing these innovation um, with WDHB and, and uh, a few other organizations. Not many organizations that will do that. Uh, but once they've invested in that, you know, it's, it's the part of taking it back in an action of it. And I think most importantly, uh, Deloitte has, I know you used to work for Deloitte. Yep. Deloitte has something uh, called something about the edges, you know, in, oh, yeah, yeah. in, in Silicon Valley. And, and part of that is you have to innovate from the edge. Yeah. And I think big companies, their, their biggest opportunity is to create their, their competitor themselves. Yeah. Uh, and then basically overtake their own company. Yeah. Uh, that only benefits their shareholder. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, investing in technologies or acquiring technologies that will get them there faster. Yeah. I think these are all part of the, the landscape of what companies that are really understand the exponential curve, what they're doing today. I yep. mean, this isn't necessarily anything new. Uh, acquisitions have often just you know been able to keep up with market share or whatever. Um, acquisitions won't be able to keep up with the exponential curve, and that's yep. what's going to be interesting in the future as you know, there'll be uh, a lot of winners um, and there'll be a whole lot more losers. Mm-hmm. So uh, the idea of startup risk is now coming into the corporate world uh, just because things are moving so fast. That within a couple of years, I mean, just the other day, uh, Trump mentioned uh, ZTE in China is going out of business just because of some, some trade policies. Mm. And Trump actually had a change of a little bit of his program around let's help save this Chinese company because of our, our policies. That's not right. But that just shows you how fast yeah. major corporations in the world can fail. Yeah. And, you know, we could go through a, a graveyard list of companies that if you were in them or if you worked at them, you would never have thought that they were doomed. But, yeah. you know, almost every company. And that's where if you look at, you know, some of the leading companies like Google and they're reinventing their business models. Apple reinventing. I mean, it's... It's completely always coming up with a new product, new service, uh, as well as how that service is delivered. Uh, you look at IBM, maybe they're not so great to reinvent right now, but they've done it a few times. GE is like the only company that's on the Dow 30 that you know is still kind of plugging away. Um, and they're obviously reinventing into a platform company uh, for main, you know, kind of manufacturing, which I think is a bold bet. But if you look at all their bets on their future, they want to become a platform company like the other major companies that kind of control access to the world. And, you know, maybe they will, maybe they won't, but they understand they have to reinvent themselves. And I think um, they're building those technologies from the inside out Mm. and then obviously letting them gain some traction and then potentially bringing them into their business model. It's it's not an easy thing to do, um, just as any change initiative uh, rarely works. Um, you know, creating a new business model is is a is a basically a risky proposition. But again, it comes back to with data, yeah. you know, with using exponential tools, you can actually obviously de-risk and uh, the investments that you're making, and, and obviously be a little bit more iterative and lean uh, than you are in your current business model that pretty much is very stable, maybe or feels stable. Um, but if it's starting to lose ground, you're already on that downward curve. Of, and unfortunately, there's a downward exponential curve, which is that corporate graveyard that uh, many, many companies are on. 
Yeah, gotcha. Well, I think we'll end it there. That's, that's been fantastic. Um, can you tell our listeners where they can find you, get in touch to get to know more? Yeah, you can, uh, AaronBearer.com, uh, A-A-R-O-N-B-A-R-E.com, or my email is AaronBearer.com, and um, welcome any questions or, um, you know, open to working opportunities or what it is. Uh, definitely uh, looking forward to en- engaging with more companies uh, that are excited about exponential technologies mm-hmm. and uh, less resistant. So. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> and LinkedIn is okay to connect as well? Yes, LinkedIn. You can find me, uh, LinkedIn Aaron Bear. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much, Aaron. Okay, thank you. So there we go. That was our episode for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to connect with Aaron on LinkedIn. And uh, if you'd like to connect with him on a more personal level or if you're interested in getting him on board, to maybe help out your business with some of these uh, challenges with the digital world and all of these disruptive technologies, then you can find him at his website, aaronbear.com, A-A-R-O-N-B-A-R-E.com. And of course, all of the show notes for this episode, including the transcript, including all of the links, are available at superdatascience.com slash 163. And finally, if you have any friends who are directors, executives, uh, business owners or founders and you think that they could benefit from the knowledge that Aaron shared in this episode, then forward this session onto them and maybe you'll help them develop that mindset about exponential technologies that will help them drive their businesses forward even faster. Thank you so much for your attention today. Can't wait to see you back here next time. And until then, happy analyzing. Happy analyzing.